0: How you doing, Eric? I'm good. I'm good. How are y'all doing? Yeah, you know, did we sell all our music stands? Did we sell them all? Yeah, there's literally no music stand. I have no idea. Yeah, the thing, the thing is a monster. Eric, do you have another song you want to sing? Sure. Or am I like, am I coming up early? No, you're not coming up early. I mean, I have plenty of songs I want to sing, but you're not coming up early. Okay. You just haven't left yet, so I'm like, no. did I do something wrong? <laughs> so, But you can hang out. It'd be good. No, I'll leave. No? Whatever you like. We could, we could do it together. Yeah, all my name's Tim. You guys want to, um, what do you want to do? You want to sit down for a minute? You're going to have to get back up again, but you can sit down for a second at least. Catch your breath. Rest a little. My name's Tim. This is Eric. We're so glad you're here with us at the table. Thanks for coming out on this beautiful evening. I know you could just stay outside, and that's got a lot to um, commend itself. But we're so glad to spend some time with you guys. You're at Church of the Holy Spirit downtown, which is we have our main campus at Merriman Avenue up in Cave Spring area. And we started this experiment to be here downtown, which is so fun to be with you. If you're new here, on the way out, we've got these wine glasses. We'd love to give you a wine glass as a gift, a little card you can fill out and give us your information. We'd love to make the swap. You can grab one right now if you want. Um, and uh, we'd love to tell you more about what we're doing uh, at any time. But we'll grab, we'll kind of exchange contact information that way. Mary Beth, you can't see me. Sorry to make you strain around that pole. I'll move a little bit. Um, we're going to begin here, uh, this is our want, with a little bit of time in the scriptures. If you've never been, it's a little bit of a weird night. What we're going to do is we're going to spend some time looking at a passage from scriptures and we're going to celebrate communion, but when we do it, there's going to be an extended meal and you're going to have a chance to fellowship the folks around the table and uh, engage in a conversation. I think that when Jesus instituted communion, it wasn't meant to just be a symbolic meal, but a real meal that is symbolic that celebrates and commemorates and, and honors his death and his resurrection. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But as we begin, we're going we're to look at a passage from the Gospel of John. And if you have a Bible, I'd love you to open it up or flip to it, as the case may be. And I'd uh, and even love to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word as I read this to you. So this is from the Gospel according to John. And we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 35 to 46. I love this passage. So John 1, 35 to 46 says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. That John, by the way, is John the Baptist, not John the author of the book. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see. That's the gospel of our Lord, according to John. Indeed, glory to him. Have a seat. But keep your Bibles open to John's gospel here. So I'm, I'm in the process right now of studying John's gospel, maybe more in depth than I have ever studied it before, and it's incredibly fun. There is, John has packed in so much insight into this, into this letter. It's not letter, this book. Um, and in the, cha- in the first chapter, which we're in right now, there are basically three main movements. It begins with this prologue, right, which is famous. How does John 1 begin? you guys have it in your brain at all? Yeah, that's it. In the be- all, it's, it's it's just it's this crazy poem, and it's unbelievably deep, in it's theological insight. In the beginning was the word; and the word was with God; and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He goes on to all these extraordinary things. Second section is an introduction to John the Baptist, which is really curious. It's stunning to me. I, I, I think I'd underestimated what a big deal John the Baptist is. I mean, he shows up almost. It's almost like you're watching this beautiful play in the prologue. This amazing thing, and then like. The janitor comes on the stage, you know, just kind of walks through sweeping in the middle of it all. It's like, what, what is John the Baptist doing here? And I think that we underestimate his role. And then the third movement is this thing here, which you could look at it and say that it's, on the one hand, really the origin story of how Jesus gathers his disciples. We're seeing all these main characters are going to end up being the disciples, the ones that, are, that he's gathering in. Andy, you're trying to get ahead of, ahead of the game, aren't you? So you're writing stuff down. This is like our John's got—I'm studying John with Andy. He's getting a sneak peek at where we're going. Um, But it's not just, it's not merely about how the twelve gathered. Rather, what I think John is doing is he's just giving us this description of normal Christianity. This is simply the way Christianity works. Because the gospel always comes to someone on the way to someone else. And that's what we're going to see here as we kind of unpack this. I'll, I'll show you what I mean here. Take a look again at verse 35 to 39. It says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And then turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And it was about the tenth hour. Okay, here's what's going on. John the Baptist has known Jesus. Well, when did John the Baptist first learn about Jesus? It is literally in the womb, right? How do you, what makes you say that bizarre thing, Quig? Well, Mary went to see her cousin, and she entered the door. The baby left in her cousin's room. Right. That's exactly what it says. That from the very, very it's from like, like prenatal, John the Baptist had some experience, some understanding that this one who was essentially his cousin is something special. Now, we don't know if they grew up together playing and you know what, what their experiences were like, but there's this moment where John the Baptist sees Jesus And he says, look, he says to two of his disciples, his own disciples, behold, it's the Lamb of God. When he sees him, he recognizes, or he communicates at the very least, if he didn't recognize it already, that something incredibly significant is here. The thing that God has been pointing to for all time is finally here, which is to say that though John already had some understanding of who Jesus is, that understanding came to him on the way to somebody else. Okay. Now, who's the somebody else? Who is John the Baptist sharing this information with? Can you tell from the text? Who are the two men that he's talking to? Do you know? What do you got, Andy? Did you say it? Somebody heard murmur, murmur. Uh, uh, first, right? That's right. Andrew is named, right? Not in the passage we read, but in the next verse, he gets identified. Look at verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who would follow Jesus. And so the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Okay? So John the Baptist knows something's going on with Jesus, and he talks to two people, Andrew and somebody else who's not named. And then Andrew's first move is to go and get Simon. Peter, 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 he doesn't call him Peter yet. Come and get Simon and say, Simon, come here, we found him. We found him. He's the one. This is the guy. You need to come meet this guy. And though John doesn't really explore it in this moment, we don't hear a whole lot more about Simon, Peter, but Simon's whole world is about to be turned upside down. This, his, brother, or his brother comes to get, get him, and it's just an ordinary day until it becomes the absolute transforming moment of his life. And that's what happens. People meet Jesus, and two things tend to happen. Number one, they go and they tell somebody else about him. And number two, their whole world gets turned upside down. I think that's part of what John is showing us here. This is just normal Christianity. This is just how it works. And for Peter, we say the gospel came to Andrew on the way to Peter, but the gospel came to Peter on the way to, like, thousands and thousands of people. I mean, Peter's going to have days in his life, like, we're in a day. He leads 3,000, 5,000 people to faith in Christ. It's, It's absolutely exceptional, right? But so begins this, I want you to see this like this chain. You've got John the Baptist at the top of the chain. And John talks to Andrew and somebody else who doesn't get named. And then Andrew talks to Simon and, Simon. and there's this chain of events as the gospel message spreads through relational networks from person to person to person. And then, content with his work here, Jesus goes and he starts another line. Take a look, verse 43. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, without looking, can you guess what Philip's going to do? What is a cat? He's going to go talk to somebody else. He does. In verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And so Philip found Nathanael, right? That's not bad work. We got a Nathanael. Philip finds Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, of course... Uh Nathaniel famously replies, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip says, what does he say? Come and see, right? That is such a great answer. When you're talking to people about Jesus, Philip and Nathaniel could have gotten in an argument. Let me persuade you. Let me try to woo you. Let me try to win you. Let me show you why you're wrong. Let me address your, your, the inherent racism behind your disinterest in, you know, in, in Nazareth. But instead he's like, no, 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 just come. Come and see. And this is the absolute essence of evangelism. Let me just, and you see it, John, when John does it here, come and see, or John pictures it, this is not the only time. Who else plays the come and see game in in John's gospel? Can you think of other places where that happens? Woman Woman at the well, what does she say, Kat? That's right, exactly right. John 4, the woman at the well, she has this experience with Jesus. She's there probably skulking around at the time where she's not going to have to have a conversation with anybody. And Jesus kind of blows through all these barriers, sits down with her. And she's so it blows her mind so much that she rushes back to her town and says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And this whole town comes crowding around to see who has transformed this woman's life. And because it, they end up saying, it's really interesting, that they begin to believe because of her testimony. But then they say, you know what? You told us something, and that was helpful to us. But you know what's really changed us? Is we met him. Because it's the coming and the seeing, what's up, George, to see him that has a transforming effect. And you guys, the thing that I hope will echo in your ears as you look at John 1 is that John is not simply explaining how Andrew and Peter became followers of Christ or how Philip and Nathaniel became followers of Jesus. But rather, this is just showing us this is just normal run-of-the-mill, ordinary Christianity. It's normal, essential form, Christianity is incredibly contagious because Jesus is exceptional. And the normal thing that you want to do when you meet somebody that's amazing like him is tell somebody else. And so the gospel spreads. It's just contagious. It spreads through personal, relational networks. And that means, by the way, that the gospel came to someone else on the way to you. And... The gospel, perhaps, has come to you on the way to someone else. Well, John continues this theme, you'll see it in John 4. You'll see it in John 9. You'll see it over and over again. But I want you to think about these chains. Think, th- go back 2,000 years in world history, okay? This chain that we're seeing from John the Baptist to Andrew to Peter, this chain from you know, Philip to Nathaniel and on down the line, it doesn't end with Peter. It doesn't end with Nathaniel. But it actually traces down through the centuries. In Acts, we'll see we'll see these people having this massive, outsized impact as thousands and thousands of people hear the gospel from them and then turn around and share it with others. Oh, and by the way, we dropped the thread. I want to go back to something. Do you recall John? Who, John the Baptist shared with two guys. Who's the one that we've named? Andrew, right? And so if you have drawn your map here, John share, John the Baptist shares with with Andrew. The other guy doesn't get named. He's not named anywhere in the text. Do you have a guess on who it is? It's not Andrew. It's not Philip. It's not Daniel. Do you know who it almost certainly is, the second guy in that, in that, in that thread? John. I think it's John, the author of this gospel. Why, why do you think that, Josh? Yes, and John in particular likes that trick. So whenever John, John will frequently reference, you know, what, what's the circumlocution he uses for himself in this book? Do you remember? The disciple, that the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He never, tell, he never admits that it's him, but it's like, it's him, right? And, uh, and he is almost certainly this one, which is interesting because this gospel message here comes to Andrew on the way to Peter. It comes to, you know, Philip on the way to Nathaniel, but it comes to John on its way to you very end of his book, listen to what he writes here. This is in John chapter 20. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He is the Son of God. That chain that starts from Jesus, that Jesus is pushing dominoes over. He pushes a domino over with with Philip. He pushes a domino over with John the Baptist, and it ticks down to Andrew, and it ticks down to John, John the, the disciple here, and it goes all the way through the ages to you. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered, like, if you could ever see, I don't know if any of you guys are into, like, your family tree and tracing yourself back to, like, you know, Charlemagne or something, but do you realize that it is probably the case that you are a spiritual descendant of one of the 12 disciples? You ever wonder about that? Like, it could very well be. Smart money's on Paul, because Paul was like a beast, right? I mean, he shares the gospel with a billion people. But Paul or Nathaniel, somebody shared the gospel with somebody who shared the gospel with somebody all the way down the line to you. Nathaniel, you might be in Nathaniel's line, for all we know. It could be true, right? But somebody talked to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to you. Right? And so tonight, as we, uh, we'll, jump, we'll jump into this meal, I want you guys to explore two questions. I just want you to reflect and think. Number one: who shared the gospel with you? Who was it? Who was the person? Now, and, you, and maybe there' was like five different people, right? Maybe it was your mom or it was your dad. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a young life staff member. Maybe it was a student leader involved with crew. Maybe it was uh, somebody in prison. Maybe it was a stranger. Maybe it was your grandmother or a school teacher, right? I'd love you guys to hear each other's stories. Who was it, Randy? Whose chain are you in? The gospel came to you from somebody else. Who was it, right? Maybe it was an author. Maybe you read a book. But then the second question, you want to guess the second question? Where's it going? Y'all, where's it going? Because the gospel came to you via somebody else, but it came to you on the way to yet another the gospel came to you on the way to who? Is it somebody at work? Is it somebody uh, in your family? Is it a neighbor? Who are the people right now, right now, is there anybody on the earth whose best chance to hear the gospel in a winsome, compelling, gracious, persuasive way is you? Are you, Steve, are you somebody's best hope? to hear the gospel I bet you are there's somebody in your world somebody who shares your love of music there's somebody who shares your street right and if they're going to hear the gospel it's going to be because you have a consciousness that the gospel came to you on the way to them and so you're going to take a relational risk you're going to be gracious you're going to be kind and you're going to talk you're going to say to them in effect come and see because there's somebody that I've met who's so absolutely extraordinary okay so those are going to be your two questions how did the gospel get to me and where's it going next? And I would love to hear kind of some of the highlights of those stories. And I want you guys to think about that and discuss that over a meal that celebrates the very essence of the reason that Jesus came. This one particular night, a very significant night, for it was the night before he was crucified, he shared a meal with these 12 people, with Philip, with Nathaniel, with John, with Andrew, Simon. And he gave import and meaning. To the reason that he came, and the reason that their whole lives were turned upside down. So we're gonna we're gonna celebrate that meal, and as we do, let's think about how the gospel come to us, and where's it going next.